This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey! afternoon or good morning everybody i want to say afternoon i'm so used to it being a show that airs from 9 to 11 but of course welcome to under the dome with cd kickstarting your saturday morning off the right way and of course as always we are coming to you live from the first south farm credit studios baby we're looking good and we certainly are looking good. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing. So be it through the FM dial. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh, yeah. As well as that free mobile app. You got also the dot com, the smart speakers, every which way you can listen to us. Trust me, it's well worth your time. And also, make sure... You check us out. If you miss any single solitary moment of the show, it'll be up there for posterity's sake online through all your favorite podcast gimmicks. Trust me, you're going to be worth it. Just check out Under the Dome with CD. You'll find it online somewhere, some way, somehow. But I appreciate you listening in on this Saturday. We got a lot to get to. We got a couple guests coming aboard. I'll tell you about those at the end of this opening salvo. Like we always do, each and every Saturday, we got we got an interesting guest list, a little more, a little bit different than maybe what you're used to when it comes to not just this show, but under the dome in general, especially in the month of June. But there's a couple reasons why, and it's perfectly good reasons. Because honestly, also the fact that I just don't feel like having an entire two-hour show dedicated to just one topic. That's never been how I do things. I like to branch out, do different things. Go a little bit more off the beaten path because that's, that's more fun. Like, there's a lot of other things going on in the world of sports. We're going to talk about the LSU baseball series against t- Tennessee. Don't you worry. In fact, we're going to talk about LSU right now and get down to brass tacks about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. Let's get it started with your Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. Hey, let's start off with the coaching search for LSU. And we'll we'll kind of take our time and and recap everything that's happened over the last few days because it's heated up a lot over the last 72 hours. And it's taken some twists and turns. And it really only, I feel like it just got started last week, even though Maneri had announced his retirement two weeks ago. And overall, I feel like the search started in the last 10 days or so. But we'll recap what's happened over the last 72 hours first before we get into some of the real potential candidates. 
We'll go to a couple names that were bandied about. I think justifiably so, at least somewhat. And we'll break those down right now. The first one we need to talk about is Kevin O'Sullivan. Without a doubt, that's the guy that we need to open things up with. Because he seemed like a no-brainer. If there was a guy that you'd want to have, maybe outside of the impossible grab of Tim Corbin, it's Kevin O'Sullivan, KOS out of Florida. He seemed like a no-brainer. He has skins on the wall. He won a national championship in 2017. Going to be nearly beating LSU. He's a fairly consistent winner. Only had one season with more than 25 losses. And has made to Omaha three out of the last five, four out of the last six seasons. Nothing short of impressive. His resume spoke for itself. And it's like, hey, you know, if there's a guy that you'd want to get that could be on that Kim Mulkey level, this is the person that said there's some excess baggage. I don't know the whole complete story, but I've heard some things. And it's not necessarily the greatest thing in the world. So at the end of the day, you kind of got to lean on saying, hey, this is not your best choice. Let's go ahead and have Kevin O'Sullivan out of the conversation. Then he winds up turning it down, basically releasing a statement over the last 24 hours, or actually the last 48 hours or so, saying that he was committed to being the head coach of the Florida Gators. And it might be left service on paper, but that likely put him out of contention unless LSU backs up a couple more Brinks trucks to the heart of George's wearing country. Oh, and by the way, TCU's Jim Schlossnagel, my first choice. He got snatched up by Texas A&M. I wasn't going to bring him up because he didn't feel like a true front runner. He was at least a name to keep an eye on after the news got released. That was somebody that I wouldn't have hated at all to see take over that gig. But, of course, he goes to Aggie country. Never a great choice, but it is what it is. But now we'll get to the, to the guy that everyone, I think, didn't want. And I think this may have been just, there was a reason why they did this. And it was the fact that we have Kendall Rogers, a very, 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 very reliable source in the sport of college baseball. If there's any anybody who could break news and tell us about what's going on in the sport of prof- or college baseball, that's your guy. That's your Adrian Wojnarowski. That's your, you know, Shams Terrania. That's your Adam Schefter of college baseball. That's almost your equivalent of the guy from Stadium, Brett McMurphy, with college football in bowl season. That's a guy that I would absolutely love to have on my on my team if I were to put together an athletic-esque thing for college baseball and college sports in general. But of course, D1 Baseball actually does have a little bit of paywall with some of the premium stuff, but he said that... Pat Casey was going to be heavily bandied about as the next head coach for LSU baseball. And this got absolutely torn apart, damn near to shreds, by a lot of people within the university and from people across the across the landscape of LSU sports. I Once I saw that tweet and people quote tweeted it to me right before I got started filling in for Bubba Bubba Sports the other day and I said this was the worst case scenario to have Pat Casey this would be the worst hire of all time and completely tone deaf in fact if the Pat Casey stuff had still been going on that would have been the topic of the Saturday Sports Sermon if they get somebody like a 
Pat Casey after all the stuff that happened with him, Luke Heimlich and his registered sex offender status, all that stuff, and letting him back on the team and largely being an enabler, all that stuff. I'm not going to get into all those details because that's not what this show's about. But this show would have been me saying LSU continues to prove itself to be morally bankrupt if they hired this guy. Because you saw that Title IX case going on, that black cloud hanging over your head. But of course, this felt like, and after some time of thinking about it, after the show wrapped up, I said, alright, this is what they're doing with this. They're going to go ahead and talk. They're doing this mainly to gauge interest, to see how bad of a PR hit this would be, how much this would affect and I'm like, okay, this is kind of where we're at. And now we're almost back to square one because it seems like, according to a report from The Advocate, he wasn't going to be it for one reason or another. And thank goodness. He's a good coach, but the baggage on him in comparison to Kevin O'Sullivan, it's a little bit tougher to truly decide. Let's go ahead and put it that way. Now let's get to a couple of names that have gotten some run here on this station and a lot of other places. Clev Godwin, I think, is an interesting choice. It's a young, up-and-coming guy. No skins on the wall, but has helped build an ECU program up. They've got two straight Super Regional appearances. Nothing to scoff at. He's building the team up. And then, you know, you think about it. The only thing that could probably hurt him is he's loyal to Eastern Carolina. He played for him at the turn of the millennium, and he did coach with Benary at one point, and he'd, giving a, giving, he'd be giving him a ringing endorsement. But I feel like he's got to prove a little bit more. If he continues to hit that just that super regional wall, I don't think that's necessarily what LSU wants. Somebody that I would probably want is somebody from the SEC, and I think... Tony Vitello is a guy that I would absolutely try and snatch up. Is it going to happen? I'm not necessarily sure. I don't know. And I feel like Cliff Godwin, he could be, he's going to be available, I think, after this weekend because they're currently down one love against Texas Tech. I'm just not sure Godwin's going to be the choice. Tony Vitello is somebody that I would love to see. He helped pull this po- program out of the doldrums. Hadn't made an NCAA tournament since 2005 before he took over back in 2018 and brought him to a tournament in 2019. So it just feels like he's the right guy at the right time that you could wind up taking from Tennessee relatively early. He's 42 years old. He checks off a lot of boxes. Hopefully, this is a guy that LSU does indeed get. That said, there's one name, and I. I here's the thing. I think there's there's always levels to things when we talk about who could be the next head coach at LSU or the next coach somewhere else, especially nowadays. And who's at the head of things? Who's the head of the table? I don't understand the hype of just Jeff Wills out of LSU. Yes, he's won seven national championships, but he's won at the Division II level. Does that mean he can immediately translate over to... D1 baseball in the toughest conference in all the world. I've heard Jordy mention his name umpteen times since Monday when he had him on. Again, Jordy's talked to the guy one time 
and he immediately thinks he's the next big thing in college sports, and why not go ahead and hire him? I think he's just pretty much the one person screaming from the mountaintops here and trying to speak this thing into existence. Several callers have said it, and if you want to re- want to say, hey, you know, give me a reason why he could translate well from a Division II JUCO program to one of the most well-established programs in the entire country, one of the blue bloods of college baseball in LSU, I'd love for you to tell me. But I feel like there are levels to these things. Great guy, but feels absolutely like a step down for LSU. This isn't Scott Woodward's MO at all. To bring on coaches that immediately have that splash higher feel to it. If you don't have that just name recognition, Tony Vitello, Clev Godwin, even to a certain extent Mike Bianco, and we'll talk about him in a second. But it feels like it'd be a step down and people would be wondering, did no one else answer the phone? Did nobody else want this job? It'd be a great feel-good story, but I'm just not necessarily sure the world of sports and the world of LSU baseball wants to have a feel-good story. They want results, and they want them now. Case in point, everything that's going on with LSU over the last couple of years where people have wanted to have Maneri fired because, oh, he's not winning enough. He's not winning enough. That's been the biggest bugaboo for him. Think about that statement real quick. But I mentioned Mike Bianca. I am going to say this about Mike. Again, great head coach. He's built an empire over at Ole Miss. But I think people are completely forgetting the fact that there is one Drew Biango still on the team. And he's probably still going to be on the team in 2022 because I just don't see him going to the big leagues. He could probably get drafted, but I feel like he's going to get drafted past that point where it's more viable for him to go to come back in 2022. It's more viable for him to do that and improve his draft stock as a junior. I think that's just where I'm at with him right now. If Drew does go somewhere and he winds up saying, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and take this opportunity to go play Major League Baseball, then Mike Bianco will gladly probably take that spot. Mike, and I think this is all just up to personal preference with coaches. He doesn't want to coach his son. He wanted his son to have a different experience than he did or just have a different experience, period, and not coach his kids. That doesn't count just for Drew, but all of his children. So I think in my mind, unless Drew's gone, Mike isn't coming around to that program. I could be completely off base here, but that's just the way I see things. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111, we got a couple guests on the show, both at the bottom of the hour. We're going to have on Josh Parrott in about, let's say, 10 minutes or so after we hit this first commercial break. We'll talk some Cajuns basketball. They've had a lot of big moves in the transfer portal over the last, let's see, like 72 hours, last couple weeks, actually. And they got another one officially, Antoine Jones. Then you have Cedric Russell and Duguay returning to the program for the 2021-2022 season. How huge all that is and so much more, as well as his thoughts on just how the transfer portal has been in this like wild, wild west, like quite literally has been insane. So we'll talk to him about that and so much more. And then at 10.30, we're getting into the college football playoff stuff because we got to get our guys, Steve Lassen, aboard. 
we usually try, I usually try and book him around the month of July because that's when we really start focusing in on SEC media days, Sunbelt media days, all that stuff. We start to focus in on college football. But this is a week where I can't not do it. We're starting to hear rumors about the 12 team college football playoff expansion. We'll talk about that with him at 10:30. We're rolling from 9 to 11. Appreciate you listening in. It's under the under the dome CD. There we go. We'll be back after this on 1037 the game at 1037thegame.com. considered world famous but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us just don't talk to him while he's eating lay off me i'm starving now back to under the dome on 1037 the game acadiana's sports station and welcome back to under the dome with cd we've got a josh bear coming aboard in about let's say 10 minutes or so but right before we Talk about LSU baseball heading to the big Super Regional Series. We've got some cool stuff going on right now in our rewards club at 1037thegame.com. Namely, the dad doesn't need another tie sweepstakes. It's it's well past time to show your dear old dad how much he means to you with 1037 The Game's Dad Doesn't Need Another Tie Sweepstakes powered by Cajun Gun and Gear. That's right. We're giving away a $500 Visa gift card and you can score that for your pops by simply signing up for the 1037 The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com today. And trust me, $500 could buy you a whole lot of ties, but let's be honest, he doesn't need another one. He's probably got like 20 of them right now in his closet. So want to give your dear old dad something a little bit better than that. Heck, you can give your dad something really cool, and that is, you know, maybe, just maybe, give him something from Cajun Gun and Gear. Maybe you can kind of tie all that in. Maybe if your dad's a big gamer, can go ahead and go get something from Best Buy. You can wind up getting something really nice for $500. Maybe not a PS5, but maybe the next best thing. Maybe you can find something a little bit better than that for 500 big ones. You can score that for your pops once again by signing up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. That's the Dad Doesn't Need Another Tie Sweepstakes, powered by Cajun Gun and Gear and a 1037 The Game, Acadiana Sports Station. Maybe I've mentioned Best Buy or something like that, but hey, Go to Home Depot or whatever. Go get your dad something really good. Maybe use that gift card towards buying maybe a brand new mower. Because maybe your dad just, his mower's down to the last leg. And you just want to get something better for him that works better for the house. I think that would be a really cool idea, to say the very least. But let's get to some LSU baseball right now and kind of just get yourself riled up. For what should be a very fun series. And I was intrigued to see how this entire thing was going to work out in terms of mapping out your starting lineup and your rotation. And the rotation is completely different. And for me, I think there's not a doubt in my mind I was blown away by how this thing is going to go. But it makes sense. McKaylee Hilliard is going to be your Game 1 starter, Landon Marceau, Game 2, and Game 3, A.J. Labus. This gives them the best chance to win it in two. But I just saw this headline from good friend Wilson Alexander about 24 minutes ago, and I think there's a, there was a gap in thinking, at least according from what I'm reading. Maybe Palmineri wasn't thinking straight with this. 
because his quote, according to Wilson's article, is, I feel like we've done a complete 360 since the last time we played them. I don't think rot- I don't think he knows what how like rotation goes because if you do a complete 360, you're back where you believe it started. Like you you're basically turning yourself around a full rotation. Basically, you're you're still the same team. A complete 360. I understand where he's coming from because he means his teams turned it around. If you say you turned to 180, then you can say, hey, this team has been performing a lot better, has turned the corner, turned to 180. I think there's a better way of phrasing it, but I was like, turning a, a 300, a 360. Just don't think that was the, that was the right, uh, excuse me, that was AJ Labus who said that. Still a little weird, a little weird wording there. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just reading a little bit too much into it, but you know, that's pretty much what I do when I read these kind of things. I'm just like, okay, this was a little weird, but I'm looking forward to seeing how LSU does put together the starting nine. But in terms of setting themselves up for a lot of success in the not-too-distant future, LSU has done exactly that. They have set themselves up for long-term success with this rotation. Landon Morso and Kelly Hilliard have been phenomenal this season. Landon Morso especially towards the end of the season. A.J. Labus, if you get to Monday, A.J. Labus is winning this game for him because I feel like A.J. has really finally found what was missing from him. He's got to remember, this guy came off a shoulder injury in 2019. And he somehow, someway was able to come away with a win. It was amazing to watch how LSU put it together after getting shut out in game one. The offense worked better, and then you had on Sunday the perfect situation of you had A.J. Labus put together an eight-inning performance unlike any other. Trent Vittmeyer closed it out. He put together a great performance to start off the ball game against Oregon on Sunday night at like 9 o'clock, which, by the way, I am so glad, so freaking glad, that LSU is getting a little bit more love with this schedule in terms of airtime. Because my sleep schedule, and I'm sure a lot of y'all's, has gone to complete hell over the last few days starting on Friday night because in case you don't know basically the way things went on Friday night was once LSU was done I had to go in make sure the log was set up the right way that way we have the right thing we're going to run and then having to do that again and again and again over the next few days I basically had to make the logs live as it happened and then you know we have Saturday and Sunday those games are super late I'm writing the stories for those. I'm up all night cutting up sound for Monday. Or I was cutting them up Monday morning. Then like, then we do it again, all over again on Monday night. And the game doesn't hit until a little after midnight. I'm up, putting that story together, getting the sound. I'm up to like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And it still is kind of messing with my sleep, sleep schedule. But at the same time, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty spry. You know, I'm not, not a spring chicken anymore, but boy. Definitely a bit of a wake-up call. But with LSU, I got to say, I am so glad that LSU is here. LSU is just so damn good in the postseason. And I think this team, the fact that they had that scare was absolutely massive for them. If LSU didn't have that moment of doubt, I guarantee you LSU wasn't going to make it 
past the regional. If they didn't have that moment where they were going to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and we know that we're one loss away from sending off our head coach. Now they're two losses away from that, but two wins away from Omaha, which is the ultimate goal of any head coach. Now, obviously, the ultimate goal is winning the national championship, but you got to get to Omaha to win the national championship. And this felt like, you know, LSU, I'm almost certain the conversation after that game at like 1 o'clock in the morning with Paul Maneri and his team was about winning. And I feel like at one point there had to have been somebody in that room, and I hope there was. I don't know if there was or wasn't. But I'm hopeful there was somebody in that building or in that locker room that said, well, there's only one thing we can do now after losing that game against Gonzaga. And it was to feel a line for Major League and kind of censor it a little bit. Win the whole bleeping thing. That's exactly what LSU, I think they have that in their mind of being a team that's going to, quote, win the whole bleeping thing. If they do that, I am going to be so happy to see LSU back in Omaha for the first time in a few years. Because last time they were in there, they lost to Florida, as we mentioned in the opening segment. They need to have that opportunity to get to that point. They need to have this opportunity to prove that they are still a really good program. I think they're going to get every opportunity to do so. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We'll be back after this. Going to be bringing on Joshua Parrott part of Blue Ribbon Basketball, formerly covered the Cajuns back in the day for the advertiser. We'll talk about Cajuns hoops, maybe also talk about the transfer portal and how much of a head-scratcher it's been this offseason because it has completely changed the way we view college hoops. We'll talk about that next right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Live from the First South Farm Credit Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game, KLWB, Karen Crow, Lafayette, a Delta Media Station. Whether by land, or by sea, or by air, the heroes are here. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather have protecting me. From beachside to bedside. Comforting, isn't it? H&I has got iconic characters and edge-of-your-seat action that will take you out of this world. Hard to believe a place this beautiful exists. Watch Heroes and Icons on KDCG over the air on Channel 50.2. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. So we're using Babbel. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive, bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. 
The good times roll with KDCT TV and Mustang 1071 as we present La Bonton Roulet Music TV Show. Tune in to KDCT TV every Tuesday at 6 and Sunday at 2.30 for the best in local music. This week, we will showcase the music of Donnie Broussard and the Louisiana Stars. Got a particular artist you want to see? Just head over to KDCG.com, pick your artist, and watch on demand. KDCG and Mustang 1071 are proud to support local musicians. Brought to you by LafayetteTravel.com and Courtesy Automotive Bro Bridge. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-531-5691 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-531-5691. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-531-5691. That's 800-531-5691. Jim Rome's got opinions. Phoenix Suns 115, the dudes in Lakers uniforms 85. That was not basketball, not even close. That was literally one of the worst games I've ever seen. That's not hyperbole. That's not some kind of hot steaming take. That's a fact. That is one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen. Maybe the single worst Laker game I've ever seen, and I'm an L.A. native. The Jim Rome Show, weekdays 11 a.m. to 2 on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. to the pros and everywhere in between. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana's Sports Station. 103.7, the game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7, the game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. And now we're going to bring on the 103.7, the game hotline. A familiar voice. Used to ride back in the day for the Daily Advertiser. Now plies his trade as part of the, blue, the excuse me Blue Ribbon Basketball and also Basketball Times as a mid-major columnist. And that is Joshua Parrot. Josh, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Quinn. How are you doing today, man? It's a beautiful day. You you are absolutely correct. It's a beautiful day. Let's get things started off. Obviously, with what's going on with the Raging Cajuns. Because it feels like, to me, it's always been almost Bob Marlin's M.O. for the last few years to really work the transfer portal. Almost, It's almost down to an exact science for him. where He's able to kind of get guys to come over. Case in point, I think this season more than ever, with the fact you have like over 1,500 people, when I saw it a while back, all in the transfer portal. And getting guys who have those Lafayette, Louisiana roots, case in point, uh, Greg Williams. You also added on Antoine Jones earlier this week. How impressive has it been to see what Bob Marlin's done in working the transfer portal as a mid-major program? Well, what he has been able to do is what a number of other coaches have ended up uh, doing in terms of just looking to not only build your program with uh, being able to sign guys out of high school in the prep ranks and adding junior college transfers, but also looking at 
guys who ended up, uh, in, in some cases, guys who are hometown products who end up coming back home, uh, but ultimately a Division One transfers. And the Cajuns in this offseason have done about as impressive of a job as you can uh, ask for, especially when you look at from the uh, what you consider kind of the uh, outside the power conference ranks with being able to get a guy like Jordan Brown who, who uh, was playing at Arizona, was a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. And, uh, you know, his dad, uh, Deion Brown, played for the Cajuns back in the 80s. So there's obviously some ham- family history there. Uh, they were able to get Greg Williams Jr., uh, a guard uh, who had played at St. John's for the last three years, to be able to come back home. And uh, I, that's an incredibly big addition for them, and a guy who's going to make, I believe, a big, very big impact for them. Uh, Jalen Dallincourt's a guard from San Jose State, another uh, local guy, a Lafayette High product, and uh, being able to get him. Uh, and then... In addition to that, uh, Antoine Jones, uh, who is a, a big guard who will be able to probably play a little bit of a forward spot, too, in the Sun Belt for the Cajuns, given him his size. Uh, he was at Creighton most recently. And uh, all, all these guys were, uh, as far as Jones, Brown, uh, and Williams, you're, you're talking about big-time guys coming out of high school, a big reputation, blue-chip recruits. Uh, and then a guy in Dallincourt who ended up going through junior college uh, coming out of high school originally and then averaged double digits and uh, has proven to be a guy who can score and shoot the ball from the outside. All huge additions, and it's going to be very interesting having those guys paired together with Cedric Russell coming back, an all-conference guard for the Cajuns, and uh, Duke Gay, a, a guy who averaged right at uh, just shy of a double-double this past year. Uh, both those guys are coming back as 50-year super seniors, getting their extra year after COVID. Uh, it's huge. And it's impressive. We just got to see how they kind of put it all together, Clint. Exactly. And, you know, we look at everything that they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks, and especially after you wind up losing a lot of key guys. It's like you see a lot of those key cogs move away, and then Bob Marlin's able to just absolutely reload. One of the things that I'm just thinking about is it always feels like there's so much high expectations, but I feel like now that you get these guys who came back in Dugay, Cedric Russell, then you add in these monster, monster transfers – and then you have guys like Kobe Julian, who hopefully is able to kind of be able to come back on a full time basis after all the injuries he's been having to deal with. How, like, what do you think the expectations are for the Cajuns in 2021-2022? Because it feels like the the ceiling's going to be very high for them this year. Well, I mean, in terms of kind of the response that the program has gotten, and with the addition of these guys. Uh, if you look at other guys that uh, you consider kind of voices nationally, uh, the, the Cajuns have caught their eye, especially whenever you're able to get a guy like a Jalen Brown, who, uh, you know, first McDonald's All-American uh, to join the program, uh, a guy who is the Pac-12 sixth man of the year this past season. Uh, now, it's a double transfer. Uh, it's my understanding that he's going to, since he started his career at Nevada, then transferred to Arizona, sat out, is now transferring again, uh, he would need to request a waiver to be eligible. But uh, the feeling is that uh, given just some of the turmoil that was going on at Arizona, the belief is that that would end up being granted to him, that waiver for him to play next season. It might not. It sounds like they have a, a very strong case for that to ultimately happen. Um, but that move in and of itself just captured a lot of attention from people uh, on a national level in terms of uh, guys who cover uh, college basketball on a wide scale. 
and, and then when you're able to add guys from, like in this case, a, a guy who is a, a, a very important player in some cases, considered kind of maybe the heartbeat of that Creighton program, which has had a lot of success in recent years uh, with Greg McDermott and previously, you know, uh, coaching his son Doug, the Cajuns, when they made their NCAA tournament appearance, uh, you know, last decade was, was against Creighton and the McDermott's at that time. Um, to be able to add somebody like that, uh, Antoine Jones, uh, who's a four-star recruit coming out of high school, that's huge. Uh, and, and then when uh, you, you look at a guy like Dallincourt, uh, playing at San Jose State, he's, he's not as highly acclaimed, but uh, a, a Greg Williams and a guy, again, who was a four-star guy coming out of high school. He played really significant minutes, started uh, average right just shy of double digits there at St. John's, shot the ball really well. He's going to be a really good defender for the Cajuns. I think I have a chance to be an all-conference guy. Um, it's just it's, it's uh, when you add a guy like a Kobe Julian who's battled injuries, was highly acclaimed coming out of high school, has a great lineage, again, uh, similar to uh, Jordan Brown with his father having played uh, for the program years ago. Um, and then some of those other guys coming back, reserves that maybe haven't played as big of a role or coming off of injury, but really, um, you know, Theo Wakfu, I mean, is just, uh, uh, is, is just huge, a defensive player of the year in the conference. And um, if they're able to have uh, Theo, Cedric, do out there, do focus a little bit more on rebounding and defending, maybe uh, sharing the ball a little bit. He's a good, very good passer with a, a good court sense uh, for a big guy at six foot nine. Uh, there are a lot of really important pieces and talent in place uh, as far as uh, what I think they'll be able to ultimately do with it. Um, you're going to look at Appalachian State kind of surprising a number of people this past season and winning the Sunbelt Conference tournament and ultimately going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Georgia State has perennially been a, uh, a tough team to beat in the league, and I would expect that they would be again. And then South Alabama with uh, Rich Riley, who had uh, won a conference championship when he was at Nichols State previously, has been doing the transfer, uh, uh, really working on the transfer portal uh, years and years ago, and he's going to have a really good team at South Alabama next year, similar to what the Cajuns are going to have. So I would, I would think that the Cajuns are going to all be uh, in the mix with those other t- teams that we talked about. And if they can stay healthy, uh, even losing a guy like Malik Wilson, uh, I, I think with everybody they have coming in and coming back, the, the Cajuns have a chance to uh, have a, a, a very strong, tough season and uh, I think contend for a postseason spot. Talking now with Josh Parrott, part of Basketball Times and, and Blue Ribbon Sports. One of the big things that I'm just thinking about over the course of this offseason with Cajuns basketball and just college basketball in general is the transfer portal, how much that's changed the way things are now, because I right now the total transfers to date have been 1,662 players have been in the transfer portal just in terms of D1 college basketball. Do you think that's going to continue to be a thing, or was this kind of just more escalated because of COVID, kind of changing a lot of people's mindsets? Well, what what we are seeing right now, I think, is a combination of we're, we're seeing this name, image, likeness, uh, we're, we're seeing a little bit more freedom when it comes to player movement, making, deci- making decisions, transferring. Uh, I think ultimately COVID, in addition to that, uh, where players are getting that extra season, if they elect to do that with that not counting against the scholarship limit uh, for respective programs, if those guys decide to come back for that, that fifth year uh, to play, I don't think it's going to get – too much crazier than it did this year 
But with the NCAA kind of saying, look, we think that ultimately what's going to happen is they're going to give players an option to transfer one time without penalty. And that's going to continue to kind of work in the favor of the players where they will have that opportunity to make a move and not have to sit out for that one year like they have in the past. But COVID kind of made just everything even more crazy um, with just basically telling guys you're going to have an extra year if you want it. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see as much of a uh, a crazy situation as we will with the roster management uh, like this offseason moving ahead, but my impression from talking with coaches is they feel it is going to kind of settle back into a little bit uh, more like it was, but not too much. I I think that the the days of building a program are done. The days of looking to kind of piece together and build a team year by year is what we're going to be seeing kind of moving forward, and uh, that's going to become the norm. And, Josh, one more before I let you go, because obviously we've talked a lot more about the current regime. I know you spent a lot of time talk, uh, covering the Cajuns back in the day for the Daily Advertiser, so I feel like just having some fun with you to wrap up. Who's the favorite guy that you wound up covering or, or you enjoyed the most to see him just put up put up numbers and be one of the best guys on the on the program? Well, yeah, you know, when I was there, Clint, uh, you know, the, the, the Cajuns had won – uh, under Robert Lee in his first season, actually made the NCAA tournament the year after he replaced Jesse Evans. But by the time I was there, they were really struggling to kind of consistently put out uh, a quality product, and, and they just were not uh, they were not winning ball games. Uh, by the time I was leaving uh, to answer your question specifically, uh, the guy that I really enjoyed getting to track and follow was Tyron Johnson. Uh, Tyron Johnson actually uh, ended up becoming the Player of the Year in the conference. Uh, in his senior season, and that was actually, uh, uh, I believe, the 2009-10 season, which was Robert Lee's last year. Tyron Johnson was a senior. He was a 6'8 forward, um, kind of long, uh, but, you know, average 18-8 and eight as a senior and uh, was the, was a Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. And uh, just it was really neat to see him progress because when he started his career, uh, I mean, he, was, he averaged you know, 1.6 points per game as a freshman and then he progressed slowly but surely and uh basically doubled his production every year and he he ended up uh, i believe is still playing professionally overseas i believe he's in france and uh he he had a little bit of time uh in in what was the d-league uh or actually several years in the d-league had a little cup of coffee i think with the with the pacers and training camp and just a really good guy and, and uh was from outside the new orleans area uh, Tyron was a, a really hard worker, and he showed what can happen if you stick with things. Um, even when uh, you know he might have benefited from having a redshirt year and taking a little bit more time to kind of develop, uh, like some guys do. Uh, I don't know if you'd see a Tyron Johnson necessarily develop nowadays because so many guys are not patient and willing to kind of take the time to, to develop and 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 maybe sit and not get those minutes early on. Tyron was a testament to patience and hard work. And uh, he does still come back to the States time to time. He's a really good guy. Uh, Tyron Johnson was a special player, and uh, I really enjoy getting to cover him. And I know Cajun fans who remember seeing him play know that he was a special player. Josh, once again, thanks, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Hey, same to you, Clint. Appreciate you, my friend. It's good to talk with you. Everybody have a good weekend. All right, that was Joshua Perry. You can follow him on Twitter. Well, it's quite simple. At Joshua Parrott. Appreciate him joining the program because, again, like there's so many different stories 
to be told with Cajuns basketball and the way things have been. And just here, like, right when I was kind of putting the show together, in fact, earlier in the week, I was one to hit him up because of the news about Antoine Jones and add the fact that they had just so many quality guys coming onto the roster through the transfer portal. Get his thoughts on him because he definitely covers a lot more than just the Cajuns these days, but he's definitely got a good mind for the program. But it was, it was great to catch up with him because. He was one heck of a guy to kind of. I remember reading his articles back in the day when I was in high school, when I was first starting to really get like deep dive into sports. Because high school was like really when I, I think I've ever, ever talked about this, but high school was really when I first started to truly fall in love with sports. I watched it when I was growing up, but it wasn't necessarily like the most important thing in the world to me. Now it kind of is, and like back in the day when I used to read guys like Footsie, I, I, I used to read Kevin Foots articles all the time, Glenn Gilbo, Tim Buckley now, I think definitely Josh Parrott was somebody's articles who I read a good bit growing up. Back when I back when you used to read things on a newspaper, not necessarily all be online and more importantly behind a paywall, but we'll, that, that's a different conversation for a different day. It's Under the Dome with CD. Before we take a quick time out, let me tell you something. We got some great things going on right now and i'd say add the fact that we've got so much great astros baseball this weekend the houston astros are on a roll and now they're going to roll over after being on the game all week they'll be over on news talk 98.5 our sister station and 15 20 a.m first pitch set for 7 10 tonight excuse me actually that might i'm the read was a little bit outdated 6.15 p.m. is the first pitch between the Astros and the Twinkies. The, tw- the Astros came away with a 6-4 to four win last night to continue. Like, they've been impressive. They've been, as the, you know, the LSU Tigers are road dogs, the Astros are probably the definition of road dogs in the middle of this road trip. They've pretty much been dominant. They've only had two losses during this road trip to the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. And they've, in fact, I believe they've won eight of the last ten. They've just been one of the most consistent teams in the MLB. But somehow, some way, they can't get past the Oakland A's. But you can listen to all the action on a News Talk 98.5 the rest of the weekend. As well, we got LSU baseball right here on 103.7 The Game. All three games of the series, potentially. Best of three. That'll all be right here on Acadiana Sports Station. So make sure you keep it locked right here. 6 o'clock tonight, LSU baseball will get started pregame at 5.30. We'll be back after this wrap of hour number one with a little different conversation. And that is UFC 263 tonight. We're one big fight night away from International Fight Week. And more importantly, Poirier versus McGregor number three. Back after this on 103.7 The Game, 103.7 The Game.com. From Breeze and Colston to Burrow and Chase. Dynamic duos are nothing new to Louisiana sports fans. And here in Acadiana, we have our very own dynamic duo. With 1037 The Game and Stadium TV. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Tune in every weekday for the simulcast of your favorite 1037 The Game shows on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS. The Game and Stadium. The best duo in Acadiana.
The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. And welcome back, not quite to paradise, but, you know, maybe this is your sports radio paradise. Under the Dome with CD, hour number one, wrap it up in style. Real quick, I didn't realize how much time I actually had had in that break. You know, we'll, we'll wind up saving some of the UFC talk for a little bit later, but want to kind of move on. I want to kind of keep that conversation going on the Cajuns for another minute or so, at least on the basketball front. This will be more time, I think, once we flip over to the month of July, then I'm going to talk about the Cajuns because I've already started to kind of put together some notes about the team this season, looking at the roster, some notes I have. Like I've got some ideas in terms of what we're going to get into because I want to do more of a deep dive this year into Cajuns and LSU football and break things down like a fraction. Just There's ideas that have been brewing in my head for the last few weeks about this show over the course of the summer. Not quite like summer projects, but some ideas for just general content and general talking points we're going to get into. But but Cage's basketball-wise, I think it's a year where if Bob Marlin doesn't win the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and get into the big dance, I am very much thinking that there may be the the, rope, the rug may be pulled from out, out underneath them. Great coach, but you got to know when it's time, things are going to like teams are just going to get run. And somebody's going to get run. If you don't get it done with this team, who are you going to get it done with? That's my biggest takeaway from all of this. We'll be back after this. Hour two of two of Under the Dome with CD. Back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game and good afternoon ish i guess it's like 10 o'clock i mean it's not technically afternoon i've gotten into this conversation before with people but Hopefully you're having a great Saturday and your weekend is starting off the right way. But then again, if you're listening to Acadiana Sports Station right now, you are definitely starting your weekend off on the right foot. And of course, we're coming to you live as per the use from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Hear this worldwide! And I gotta say, I appreciate everybody who's listening in, however they're doing so be it through the Tower of Power, that old school FM dial. He is the Tower of Power. He is too sweet to be sour. He is the rap master. There is no other. There is no equal to man. And of course, if you're listening through the .com, the mobile app, as you're in that liner before we came in, the smart speakers is one heck of a way to listen in. Make sure if you have an Amazon Alexa, Tell your, make sure you enable the brand new Alexa skill we have available. 
And again, I talked about it last week. Go check out the, the new free mobile app. If you haven't updated it already, get to it. That way you can get all the latest. I'm talking everything. Like if we post a breaking news story, like for instance, if the Tigers make it to Omaha, we'll be posting the story. And right after that, you'll get a push notification on your phone. 2020 is a wonderful time. And hopefully you're ready for that. And so much more we got on tap for you on that old, on that free mobile app. And hey, I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. You can go check it out, us out. If you missed anything, if you missed our interview with Josh Parrott, or if you're not around around 1030 when we talk with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, you can check us out on all your favorite podcast gimmicks. That's right. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We're there. Go check us out right now. Just search Under the Dome CD. And if you're on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and write a five-star review as well. We might show you some love on the on the show. You say we appreciate people who listen in and people who are frequenters and friends of the program. Just like our guy Joshua Parrott and Steve Lassen. He'll be coming aboard at the bottom of this hour. We're going to talk college football playoff expansion at that point. And there's a lot of things to go around from that standpoint. But I want to get to UFC 263. Then we'll get into some conversation about the College World Series. Because boy, oh boy, it's been a, it's not the most interesting College World Series of all time. But man, it's been fun. Like, it's been a real fun one to watch so far. And the Super Regals have been at least somewhat interesting. Ole Miss currently 0-1. NC State pulled off an upset win last night over the Arkansas Razorbacks. That was kind of surprising. And then obviously we got a lot of other games on tap later today that we'll, we'll get to. We'll talk about those and some of my predictions for the Super Regionals heading into day two of Super Regional play. So these teams are do-or-die type games. Some of them are just getting started, like the LSU series tonight, which you'll hear right here once again on 103.7 The Game. But I'll say this about the UFC. They have been able to put together some really good cards, and they're doing this all because, obviously, this is their like first few shows back in front of crowds. And you look at how things have been since... COVID-19 and everything just shut down. You've had to see changes to cards and changes to entire events where it's all the fights have been done at Fight Island or whatever. Like you're having to kind of set things up a certain way. Now that you're able to have full attendance at all these fights, they've been putting together bangers of cards. You can just go look at what they did for UFC 261, the first one at Jacksonville, you had three main event worthy fights. Valentina Shevchenko, Rose Namaj- Thug Rose, and Zhang Wei Li, which was a phenomenal fight that wound up just ending in the first round. Then you had Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal, part deux. That was a lot of fun. Then the next one, you have Oliveira Chandler, Tony Ferguson going up against Benil Darush, and I feel like Tony Ferguson may be on the tail end of his career now. Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira, Chandler getting surprised knockout. That was really cool, not gonna lie. So many cool things that happened. And now we're going we're getting that much closer to more importantly, UFC 264, the fight night that everybody here in the Acadian area is looking forward to. I cannot wait for that. And it's capping off what should be International Fight Week. The greatest week in the history 
of our great sport. Meanwhile, we've got some potential greatness going to be going down this weekend. And the, the card itself looks strong. I mean, your main event is Israel Adesanya defending his middleweight title against Marvin Vittori. And then you got Figueredo going to be scoring off with Brandon Moreno. Then you also got Nate, Nate Diaz in a welterweight bout. The return of Nate Diaz. Oh, brother. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Leon Edwards, just the main card itself is going to be a hell of a lot more intriguing than I think most think. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Nate Diaz looks in his first fight in a good while. Like I haven't seen him fight in a long time. The last time he fought was in 2019 against Anthony Pettis. Now he's back in the UFC, and he has a chance to really kind of get after it. Last Sunday he fought was for the BMF belt and didn't win that. And now he's going to be officially back, ready to go, and he's co-headlining one of the big cards, UFC 263. He was supposed to be in the co-headliner at 262, but then was moved due to a little bit of a minor injury by Diaz. So, again, he had another setback. Now he is fully back. And I know, like, not everybody's a huge MMA fan, but I'll be honest with you, it's a lot better than what the state of boxing is right now. Like, let's like we've talked about that a lot when I've filled in over the last few days on Bubber Bubber Sports, which is, which was fun, by the way. Like, I'll, I'll just say that. Probably the most fun time I've had hosting a show was Bumper to Bumper Sports with a with a, my guy James running the ones and twos because that was way more just letting him have fun and we're gonna go ahead and let me just riff for two hours. Those are sometimes the most entertaining shows of all time because I can just goof around and we can talk a lot of shop and we had three hours to run so I was like let me go ahead and do this let's, let's go ahead and roll. But damn, this was fun. Like, UFC 263 is what boxing wishes it could be. Where there's now, like, major stars, every single card, every single major card on pay-per-view that people, that the UFC is wanting you to pay $60 for, they're giving you their money's worth. After, like, a year where you wind up having, like, just one fight cards, you fast forward to the main event sometimes. During COVID, this is every single fight since 2021 started back in January, back in Poirier McGregor two, I should say. They've slowly but surely added on to it. 263 is the latest example of the UFC trying to make these things mean about a million times more than they would have been in pre-COVID times. Because you're always wanting to have about two or three massive cards, massive fight cards. 261 was your first major massive card. 263 is another really good one. 262 was solid, and we're seeing it more and more. Now it'll be intriguing to see how it continues going forward after McGregor. And I think there's so many guys that are out there to where, hey, you can have a really solid main card just based off of what you have right now. Conor McGregor, Poirier 3 is obviously your main event. You got to have Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson, a welterweight bout, potentially determining who's going to be next in the line. Sugar Sean O'Malley at a, at a bantamweight fight. That's going to be, that'll be definitely one of your top three or four fights on the main card. Tied to Ivasa, Greg Hardy. I'm not sure if that's going to be a, like, co-main 
But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a co-main because, again, Greg Hardy, former NFL player, tied to Ivasa, a absolute beast in his own right in the heavyweight division. He, I remember him drinking out of a shoe a few years ago. I think that was leading into, I can't remember what card it was off top of my head, but I believe it was UFC 238, which may have been the card, the last, man, there was some really good cards back in the day that UFC had, like 2018, 2019. And Ty Duavasa was absolutely somebody who I enjoyed watching. I think it was, I'm almost certain it was 243 then, because that was when you had Whitaker and Adesanya, who's fighting tonight. But anyways, that's your 264, like your 264 card could very well be a three or four fight main card where you're just absolutely going to be locked in. Obviously tonight, I'm going to have to split screen it. That, that's the real like challenge of all this is basically the fact that LSU is still in the tournament. Like you're having to go, if you're a, a fight fan, if you're a sports fan, like this is that time of year where you absolutely love it. I gotta, I'm absolutely looking forward to having LSU Tennessee on the big screen and then on the laptop. I'm a hundred percent having on the UFC 263 fights. And then tomorrow, like I was at first, I was nervous because I didn't remember exactly how the college world series was going to go based off of, or, or should I say how LSU was going to play? Cause I couldn't remember what the, other choice was for the game on Sunday, and it's either going to be 11 a.m. or 2 p.m. So either way, more likely than not, I might have to split-screen the pre-show, but NXT TakeOver, in your house too, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy that as well this weekend. But that's that's about all. Like, there's so much sports going on. That's not even bringing up the NBA postseason, which has been pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. I think the Nets are going to absolutely dominate the Milwaukee Bucks, and they're, they'll, they'll handle their business. And still win the series. I know they lost game three the other night, but you got to think that KD and Kyrie could help carry this team. And James Harden, even if James Harden is hurt, you could still get some things done. And I'm getting somebody hit me up on in, in a little bit of private message about, I, I got to bring this up because this absolutely cracked me up yesterday, and I'm just getting reminded of it right now. And that is Alabama, one of their defensive backs, Jaquincy McKinstry, he changed his name. And he changed his name in the most unconventional fashion of all time and maybe like a top tier. We talk about the coldest, excuse me, the coldest to ever do it. Crawford, one of the LSU commits that's going to be part of the program this season. This dude's got a beat. He changed his name to Kool-Aid McKinstry. Kool-Aid. The cat's name is Kool-Aid. That is absolutely amazing in and of itself. Hopefully, LSU has some, like, the coldest to ever do it is a phenomenal bleeping name. Like, I can tell you right now, that's a name that is top tier. And obviously, it also brings a lot of high expectations. He's been living up to the hype so far. He's playing for LSU. That should tell you more than enough. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk about the college world series we're that much closer to omaha what's going on in the super regionals and some of my thoughts on how things are going to go we'll do that next steve lassa coming aboard in about 15 minutes we're back after this on 1037 the game 1037 the game.com 
most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp. But under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. And welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Of course, we're coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. And, brother, we got a lot to give away right now in our rewards club at 1037thegame.com, including a chance to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel. And if you've never been over there, you are missing out on a golden opportunity. And I gotta say, looking forward. And they, by the way, I got I got a response back from one of my guys privately. We'll talk about that in a second. But let me tell you, if you've never been to Cypress Valley Casino Hotel, you're missing out on some awesome stuff. And Mister Lesser Steakhouse is pretty much as close to a five star restaurant restaurant as you're gonna get. Mabel's Kitchen, pretty solid as well. So make sure you enter in today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com for a chance to win that and so much more. But shout out to Vince on Cow Island out here saying, he actually asked me this question. And I'm going to throw this question out there because it's absolutely funny to me. Because he brought up the whole Kool-Aid thing. He's like, anyone going by Hurricane or Daiquiri at LSU? I'm like, no. We got the coldest to ever do it, Crawford. A wide receiver. So it Kool-Aid on the coldest is going to be one of the greatest things of all time. If that winds up happening and both these guys stay with LSU and Alabama for three years, like we need that to be a whole storyline and like college game day needs to feature it as like one of those things they show on like college game day. The coldest versus Kool-Aid would be the most fun thing ever. And Vince over on Cal Island saying, Shout please give a shout out to me if you use Hurricane or Daiquiri on during your Bama week. Hopefully we get to that point and we get to have a Bama week or Bama day on the show because Under the Dome of CD is only on a Saturday. Maybe someday it could be a daily show. At least that's a hope and a dream. Maybe it's too big of a dream, to be quite honest with you. Maybe just one day is enough for me for about two to three hours a day. Maybe we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Anyways, so yeah, we got that going on. We also got some other great stuff, including Dickie's Barbecue Pit. And every time I mention it, it's absolutely delectable. You can enter today in the 1037 Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com to win a $40 gift card to Dickie's Barbecue Pit. There's one, like, a stone's throw away. And i got to try and avoid going there because I, I, I'm, I'm get, I need to just watch my figure a little, at least somewhat. At least somewhat. But if you want to join in on the conversation, the 1037 Game Hotline is open for a little bit. We'll bring on Steve Lassen in about eight or nine minutes talk about what's going on with college football and the potential expansion of the college football playoff. Looks like in 2023 we could have a 12-team playoff, which would be massive, I think, for some of the Power 5, for the Group of 5 programs, excuse me, but also for some of the Power 5 programs that don't necessarily get a whole lot of run in the playoff, namely the Pac-12. That's going to help them get in, at least you think. We'll talk about that with our guy Steve Lassen in a few minutes. But I want to get to some college baseball talk, more just nationwide as we are in the middle of Super Regionals and give you some of my overall takeaways from last night. First off, blown away, Arkansas, the number one overall seed is on the verge of elimination. They lost to NC State last night, 
no, excuse me, that's incorrect. I'm completely blind. Well, first of all, they screwed up on the NCAA's official bracket and kind of messed this up. So Arkansas destroyed NC State 21 to 2. 20, like, that's a ass whooping and then some. That happened last night. Arkansas destroyed NC State, the number one overall seat, hold and serve. Stanford absolutely mollywopped Texas Tech. My boy Rob Bro is not in a great mood right now after a 15-3 to loss to Stanford. Then you had Arizona Ole Miss. That got underway last night, and boy, I was surprised. First inning, Ole Miss put up three runs, and then they just kind of went absolutely frigid, like Hoth levels of cold, losing 9-3 to to Arizona. Tim Elko couldn't save them in that one. Soul Miss on the verge of elimination. I was kind of surprised at that. Of course, they're in Tucson, so we'll see how it goes. Could be Pabon 0-2 for Mike Bianco and crew. Didn't plan for that to rhyme. But anyways, we got Vanderbilt. Obviously, I think Vanderbilt's going to just dominate East Carolina today. And it's more because of the fact they've got some of the best pitching in the league, in the country right now. Because you've got, you just... Threw out Kumar Rocker, and you managed to win 2 nothing. Now you got Jack Lyon, who I think is the better pitcher of the two. Like, I'm just saying, we're going to see in the semifinals Arkansas and Vanderbilt. One of those teams is going to have to lose to go to Omaha, to go to the College World Series in the final for the national title. That's going to be fireworks galore. I could be completely off base here, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do indeed see a one and four, one seed and a four seed square off in the semis for a spot in the College World Series. The right side of the bracket is going to be getting started today. And I think overall, I'm just going to go rapid fire here. I think Texas is going to advance to the College World Series. South Florida's a really decent program, but I feel like Texas is going to get it done. I don't know if Charlie Strong's been invited to throw out the first pitch since he did coach both of those programs at one point. Maybe he's too busy throwing footballs to Chris Jericho as they were filming Stadium Stampede 2 and they had him. I popped for that, by the way. If you want to hear my thoughts on AEW and pro wrestling, the Cajun Strong Style podcast is up right now. We talked a lot more about the releases in WWE over the last week or so on the most recent edition of the pod, which you can check out right now, whatever you get your podcast from. Meanwhile, seventh ring Mississippi State gonna be taking on Notre Dame. That's a two and like sweep right there, no doubt in my mind. That's where that one's going. Because I I like Notre Dame, but at the same time, that feels like Notre Dame just isn't popping off the page for me. Now, if I'd seen Notre Dame play, I could probably tell you a little more of a take on them, but I just don't know a whole lot about them. Mississippi State, I know how good they are, so I think they're gonna punch their ticket to Omaha. Virginia versus Dallas Baptist, that's going to be a very fun type of series. I'll, I'd probably go Dallas Baptist. I think Dallas Baptist could pull off a nice, sizable upset over a team that took down Old Dominion. It would have been fun to see ODU DBU, but I think we see the real DBU in terms of their actual name. They'll advance to the College World Series. And I think the most interesting one, this isn't Homer Radio here, I think it's just factual is LSU-Tennessee. This is a 
Vols program that beat LSU largely by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, but there's no doubt in my mind, LSU is a very tough play if you're Tennessee. You beat them a while back, but that's a, that was a very different team. So I would not be surprised in the slightest if LSU indeed advances to the College World Series. This one, I have to think, is absolutely going to go three. Of all these series, I think you'll see Ole Miss go three because I don't see Ole Miss going 0-2 against Arizona. I think there's a chance that Dallas Baptist is going to go three. I would also think that Texas USF is like a fringe, could go three. I I got to think the Longhorns are a little bit better than that, especially against somebody like South Florida. But again, if they were, if they played Florida and Kevin O'Sullivan didn't go zero and two barbecue in his own regional, then we'd be talking a whole different situation. But I'm not necessarily sure. I'm sold on Texas South Florida Texas like going to three against South Florida. I think they do. I think they could sweep. Now it's all about what happens with LSU in Game 3. And obviously, out of all these, I think the ones that are the most susceptible to being three games are LSU, Virginia DBU, Arizona Ole Miss, and I'd, I'd probably say Stanford, Texas Tech. I think Stanford could very well eke out a win tonight because of the foot theory. And the same, you can say the same thing about Arkansas, but I feel like at the same time, there's levels to these things and a team could get outclassed in a lot of different ways, especially against a hard-hitting team like Arkansas. But Stanford whipped up on them 15-3 last night. So I'd be surprised if Stanford, in fact, wins tonight, or this afternoon when they take on the Red Raiders at 2 o'clock on the U. But overall, that's kind of how I see things going in the world of college baseball. We'll talk about college football in a little bit more importantly, the NCAA and all the changes that they're making and potentially moving forward with a seismic shift in the sport. And with college football playoff expansion, we'll talk about that and so much more when we get back on Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. don't lie because when you listen to under the dome with cd your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on acadiana's sports station 1037 the game all right welcome back to under the dome with cd right here on 1037 the game 1037 the game.com coming to you live from the first south farm credit studios and of course we got to get into some conversation about what's going on in the world of college football. I know it's June, and we're in the middle of the, the Super Regionals with the NCAA and the college baseball and whatnot. But with, whenever you have the college football playoff announcing plans to potentially expand by 2023, you got to kind of read the room and say, hey, it's time to get into some college football talk. And to do that, we got to bring on good friend of the program and definitely a regular throughout college football season. That is our guy, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. Steve, how you been, brother? 
Hey, Clint, I'm doing well. It's always good to talk to you, and it's especially great to be talking uh, when we've had such a busy week in the college football world. It's supposed to be the off season, but it's really not with the way things have been going recently. Heading into this week, I think that's my first question, is heading into this week, did you ever expect to hear, see a release saying that we're going to go ahead and start really thinking about going from four to 12 participants in the playoff? Not this week. I thought based upon some of the reporting that we saw earlier this offseason and kind of the timeline that the college football playoff that's in place right now with four teams, that we wouldn't see anything maybe until September, October, October, or maybe even after the 2021 season. But this timeline just moves so fast, and I think it was faster than anyone who had kind of been, you know, hearing rumors, you know, anticipated. So I'm very surprised that we got a release this week that the college football playoff is expanding to 12. I don't think it's a surprise that they landed on expansion. I think it's just a surprise that they ended up at 12 so fast, especially when you heard maybe just the eight, maybe just the six earlier this offseason. So I think the speed at which this has moved has been really surprising, uh, just based upon, you know, too, you think about college football and how things move. It's usually not the fastest. No, exactly. It's a lot like Louisiana State law. Sometimes those things take forever to kind of get taken <laughs> right. to take place. But lo and behold, I mean, you got college football going to go ahead and, and fast forward, go to 12, even like passing over, as you mentioned, passing over potentially being a six or 18 playoff. You know, I got the state of Louisiana. We're getting that much closer to gambling being a thing on sports betting in the state of Louisiana, which is about damn time, to be honest with you. But anyways, that's unrelated to the point. Were you, were you surprised at the fact they were jumping from four straight to 12? Because I felt like there would have been a, a period of time where eight would have been that sweet spot. Yes, I am surprised. So I think when you know you started to hear the rumors that expansion was going to happen and, and there was some reporting about this even back to last offseason, that you kind of thought that there would be a stop at six or eight as sort of to test the waters, see how it went, sign the next contract, and then long term the plan would probably be to go to 12 or to 16. But I think what we saw was, you know, the SEC wasn't necessarily on board with a six or eight team playoff because you're limiting the amount of at large spots in there. And if we look back at some of the historical models, you know, the SEC could get three, four uh, teams in there some years. So I think what we saw was there was a openness to add more teams for at-large spots because once you start incentivizing conference championships, if you have some upsets, the automatic bids, you start limiting which of those teams in the top four uh, could get in if there's some upsets. So I actually think I was a little surprised that they made the jump to 12, but I think actually once you look at the specifics and kind of look through the reasoning why they passed over eight to go to 12, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. I'd agree. I'm starting to agree with that because it's like at first, like right when it happened, I'm like, okay, why are we going from like 12, like from four to 12? When I think eight probably would have been the magic number to be able to be as, to me, let's be honest. If we're going to have, let's say the, the top four teams would be squaring off and have a bye week. And that, that makes the most sense. But let's say with 2020, for instance, 
you would have had Coastal Carolina playing Notre Dame in a five versus twelve. To me, like I, I think Coastal Carolina would would not have a shot against Notre Dame. It feels it just feels like to me eight would have probably been the much better number to go off of. That way, you don't have those kind of games just fall a little flat on paper. And even if let's say a Coastal Carolina does advance and get to the next round, they're going to be playing Alabama. No doubt about it. I mean, I actually, I would have preferred probably an eight-team playoff, but I think just because of the opportunity. So, so basically, I think what the committee and I guess the the board of managers on the on the playoff committees worried about would be someone like a seven and five Pittsburgh beating Clemson and Clemson falling from number three to number seven in the final rankings and not being in the college football playoff. And, and instead, you're, you're trying to incentivize as much yeah. as you can. You're trying to incentivize a conference championship. You're trying to give a home field advantage by weeks. And then, you know, your, your eight through 12 teams are probably your programs that aren't going to make the playoff if it stays at four. This is your Iowa States, Kansas States, Oregon States, maybe even Mississippi States of the world. So I think I probably would have preferred eight because I think it also just sort of keeps the regular season as meaningful as possible. But at the same time, I think just because you want to make everything with conference championships, give the at-large spots, you're not keeping out a team that could be number five but not have a spot because of a upset or two in a conference championship game. I'm actually, I was actually surprised about how okay I am uh, with 12 teams. I'm kind of the same way. It's like I, I, I'm starting to become more at peace with it. I think it's the fact that they're going to have the six, like, highest-ranked champions be represented here. It's not like, oh, hey, we're going to go ahead and have the power, like, in the top eight, you probably have just your power five programs be the best teams available, three at-large bids, odds are two of those will go to an SEC, a Big Ten, or an ACC, depending on what kind of year it is for that program, for that university, for that conference. And then you've also got potentially a Cincinnati or a Coastal or a Cajuns. And I think that's my next question is, how much is this going to benefit the little guy in the group of five? Because look at, for instance, 2020, we're going back to that as just a, a land, as kind of that hypothetical of if there was a 12 team playoff, you would have had Cincinnati as the eight seed and Coastal Carolina as a 12. Mind you, I think you, you could have put Louisiana in there as well, but that's a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think first of all, if you're, uh, you know, you're a group of five team, I think you're feeling pretty ecstatic right now. Because the, the the new college football playoff is a 12-team playoff. There's more access for Group of Five, and, and first of all, there's also an, there's basically an automatic bid for the Group of Five champion with pow, with five Power Five champions locked in, and plus one other spot as a sixth you know spot. You're going to get a Group of Five team be automatically into the tournament every year, whether that's Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, uh, Louisiana, Boise State out of the Mountain West. Now, so basically, the Group of Five is getting access already with one spot. They could get another one uh, based upon how high they get in the rankings. You mentioned Coastal Carolina. You, know, you look back at some of the other years; it would be difficult. You wonder if the committee would appropriately rank uh, a G5 team relative to the SEC or Big Ten. But I think if you're a Group of Five fan, you have to feel ecstatic about this system just because they are getting at least one, potentially two spots 
in the playoff every year. So it's a huge win, even if these group of five teams may not have uh, you know a great chance of going deep into the playoff. Just being there and being on the stage is a big deal for these programs. Talking right now, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, and you bring up a good point. It's like you're going to have that opportunity to have this spot. But at the same time, I think you're going to have to do what programs like Coastal Carolina. I mean, you look at 2020; it was a whole like mess of a year. You've had you had to make a lot of scheduling changes. Case in point, a team like the Cages they played Iowa State and beat them. They were top ten, no doubt. They're going to be a top twenty five team in every preseason poll out there when those do indeed come out. So I, for me, I think there's every chance for these teams. To get there, you're just going to have to schedule really well in your non-conference. You're not going to, and obviously, it's a little bit of a different ball game in college, where you have where you schedule like several years out. I think most teams have almost all their non-conference games mapped out over the next decade. But let's say a program like the Cages, they've got Florida State, Mizzou on tap for their schedule for the next several years. They've got a lot more of these more notable games, so I'm sure there's a chance where like these group of five teams are going to have to really compete and try and book several big name teams it may not be noticeable year one or year two but i wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two teams let's say once we get into 2030 hopefully we all make it to 2030 i think we can start <laughs> seeing more of the group of five teams getting into the conversation yeah for sure i mean scheduling and winning big time non-conference games is going to be even more important at going to 12 and also you know you have a mulligan essentially now in the twelve-team playoff. Maybe, maybe at least one, maybe two. So you know, I think for a group of five teams, though, that mulligan is much smaller than it would be for an Alabama. So scheduling those opportunities, like we've seen, um, you know, versus a Florida State versus a Missouri. You look at this year, um, you know, Louisiana playing Texas early in the season. Those are marquee games where if you win, automatically you're jumping into probably somewhere in the top, you know, 15 or so. So I think scheduling for the group of five teams is always going to be a challenge if you are good because, you know, some teams don't want to play uh, good teams. But at the same time, I think as we go forward, the 12-team playoff, you are going to want to schedule up. We have seen this from the Alabamas and Georgias. They are scheduling very difficult into the 2030s. So I think if there's got to be some optimism around college football that non-conference schedules are going to get better. And if you're a group of five team and you can win some of those marquee non-conference games, um, you're going to have a good shot to work your way into the top 12. The system is set up now uh, for group of five teams to play their way in. So right now, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports and obviously, I think all the conversations being more about what's going on with the college football playoff, but how much does, does this affect bowl season? And more importantly, is this going to be completely changed overnight to where we we see, I mean, how many bowls do we have normally? It's like, what, 30? Are we going to see those bowls get cut to down like 8 or 10, or is it going to go away entirely? I think this is the next question, because you know that's going to affect a lot of those future contracts for some of these coaches, because a lot of them do have bowl bonuses in there. Yeah, no question about it. I think that's the big mystery because right now we have the New Year's Six Bowl games, which are four kind of big-time bowl games, the two semifinals. Those, I would assume that those six bowl games are your semifinals and quarterfinals because under the new system they still want to include bowl games. So 
you're trying to bring back some prestige to some of those games. And, you know, if you have a quarterfinal in the Sugar Bowl, all of a sudden the bowl, that bowl game has a little bit more appeal than maybe just a Florida versus Baylor uh, where there's players not playing and it's on a random, you know, night during the week. As opposed to, to the 12-team playoff, you may get some more buzz and certainly bring back the prestige. I think where the bowl system is going to hurt is outside of that. Uh, what's the appetite going to be uh, for the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl? Some of those bowl games that have kind of been on the marquee level right, right outside the New Year Six are going to have some different matchups and different teams in that range going forward. I still think there's going to be quite a few bowl games, and I think that's good for the group of five because they deserve those opportunities uh, to go to bowl games. I think we may see the schedule get cut down, though. Uh, just not sure that with more teams going into the playoff and probably there's going to be a little bit less interest in the bowl season, I would not be surprised if we see the schedule cut down. But we'll still have like the New Orleans Bowl, uh, the Mobile Bowl, those top-tier uh, G5 teams are still going to go to bowl games, but some on the bottom may not make it. I, I, I hope they keep at least some of them, Steve. But let's flip the, we're talking about some of the college football season ahead in 2023 once this thing kind of does reach expansion. But let's stick to 2021 for a little bit. Week one, I ask this every year. Week one, your TV is only locked to one channel and can only be watching one game at period. What's the one game you're watching week one? It is definitely Clemson versus Georgia in Charlotte. I am looking forward to this massive showdown because playoff hopes are on the line potentially for both teams in week one. Uh, you know, you look at Clemson's schedule, they may not play another top 25 team after playing Georgia. And of course, for Georgia, they've been so close to breaking through under Kirby Smart. They seem to have all the pieces in place this year. They still have to go through Alabama. But, you know, we don't get a number two versus number three, two versus five, however they end up in the preseason rankings. Just the fact that we're getting such a marquee, massive, non-conference showdown in week one is a big deal. And these teams are loaded, of course. I mean, they're going to be playoff picks by everybody, great quarterbacks, there's talent all over the field. So Clemson versus Georgia, I think, is one of the must-see games of the year, and it comes in week one. That's pretty good for us college football fans. I think you know where I'm going to go with this, Steve. It's it's without a doubt the LSU Texas game, right? Like, and the fact that it's going to be on Fox, you got a doubleheader LSU Texas. Excuse me, Cajuns Texas, and then you've got LSU UCLA out in Pasadena. Not quite Pac-12 after dark, but it's Pac-12 adjacent after dark. I'm looking for. I, I'm just absolutely looking forward to week one. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you know, it has been such an unusual 2020 season, and the fact that we get a normal 2021 college football season. It is going to be great for us, and and you mentioned those games. I mean, I am fascinated because LSU, you know, look at LSU, all the changes that they've made to the coaching staff, the talent level that that team has. Um, you could easily see them rebounding into the top ten. UCLA has gotten a little bit better under Chip Kelly, but there's a lot of pressure to finally get to a bowl game this year. That Louisiana Texas game is just so fascinating because we saw what the Cajuns did last year at Iowa State. There's a new coach at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. Quarterback battle at Texas, a lot of uncertainty there. So, I mean, that first game of the year, we talked about making an impression. 
making trying to get to be that New Year's Six Bowl team this year. Louisiana beating Texas in Week One would be a heck of a way uh, for Louisiana to continue to gain respect in the rankings. All right, I'm just going to ask you this and ask for your opinion because if I give my take, I'm going to get reamed out by someone about this. <laughs> so, do you think the Cajuns have a chance to beat Texas? Yes, yes, they do. Uh, I, I will. I will tell you why. So, first of all, Texas, from a defensive standpoint is not as good as they probably should be based upon talent. I think they're going to get better, but they come into the season lacking pass rushers. They struggled a little bit last year against the run. So I think first game of the year with a staff in transition, I think is the best time to catch them. Also, the fact that Louisiana's already beat Iowa State, they, 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 going on the road and playing a marquee Power 5 team is not going to phase this team. And it's a team that's loaded with seniors, guys with experience, Levi Lewis, all those guys are back this year. So, yes, I think the Cajuns can win. If you ask me to pick, I would probably lean Texas slightly right now, but I think this is a game that the Cajuns can win. I'm with you, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road once you get closer to college football season because, man, it's feeling like a really good one this year. Absolutely. It's always good to talk to you. Some magazines are on the way to you. So Hell yeah. I look forward to talking again soon. All right, Steve, take it easy. That was Steve yeah. Lassen, Athlon Sports. Athlon Steven is where you go on the Twitter machine to follow that cat. Because trust me, he puts out some really good content, especially the Cover 2 podcast. is a must-listen for fans. We'll be back after this on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Wrapping up with one final take, and it won't be about Cajuns, Texas. We'll save that more for down the road. Back after this. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. My last take for today's show, I think without a doubt, is i got to say, LSU baseball, the last run for Maneri, I'm starting to pull for him a lot more. And somebody called in, please, Chris from Brobridge dropped this on me last week. On Monday, I should say. Monday this week. Hashtag miracle for Maneri. I'm believing that we're going to get the hashtag miracle for Maneri. And I hope you are as well. Because he deserves it. He deserves to have that, you know, Mike Martin-esque departure where he's able to get back to Omaha after a bit of time away. That's at least the way I see it in my heart of hearts. That's what I hope happens for LSU. I hope they can get past the Tennessee Volunteers after they had every chance to get it done against them. Take two out of three. But Big Mo left the building somehow, some way in that series finale, the doubleheader that was like really weird the way it was spaced out. Where you lost in 11 innings in game one, then game two you lost in eight innings. It was just absolutely bizarre. But this won't be bizarre. LSU wins and advances. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel. Under the Dome with CD is off the air for CD who's producing. Oh wait, that's me. We're Back next week, same time, same channel. Hopefully getting ready for LSU baseball in the College World Series. Peace. Hey, Clavis, wake up. It's your door. Oh, yeah.